0: All right, church, how you doing this morning? Oh, man, I can see you are ex- excited to be in the house at 1045. You slept in a little bit. You had your morning coffee, as did I. So we are ready to get this party started. Am I right? Awesome. Well, you look good. Do you feel good? Why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them they're the hottest looking thing you've seen all morning? Yes. Now turn to your second choice and say, dang, you look even better. You know, it is such an honor and privilege to be sharing with you uh, on this very special Memorial Day weekend. And, um, you know, on Monday, we're going to be celebrating all of our fallen heroes, all of those who have given their life for this country and given their life For our freedom, and what a great sacrifice that is. But I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for those. I'm so thankful for those who have given their life so that I could live in freedom. And I do wanna take just a moment. And if you're in this room or maybe you're at one of our other campuses or you're watching online and you've lost someone, maybe a family member, maybe, maybe a close friend who's served in our armed forces, who's served to help fight for the freedom of this country, I'm just going to ask, would you stand for just a moment? I just want to pray for you. We want to honor you. Just stand right up. I'm not going to bring you to the stage or anything like that. We have a few of us. All right. Or if you've served, you know what? If you've served, you can go ahead and stand on up. People you know that may have lost their life. Awesome. Hey, listen, I want to pray for you real quick. We honor you today. We honor your loved ones today. Father, I pray for those who are standing in the lives that they represent. Father, I thank you for the sacrifice that they have made. I thank you for their courage, their bravery, so that we could live in freedom. God, we're blessed to live in this country. So we acknowledge that, we honor you, we honor their lives on this very special weekend. And may we never forget the price that has been paid for our freedom. May we never take it for granted. May we never complain about it, but may we always cherish it, Father. I pray those who have lost loved ones serving for this country may you be their peace may you be their rock may you be their com- their comfort this memorial day weekend we love you and praise you in Jesus name amen come on let's give God a hand thank you you can be seated amen amen special weekend and hey if you have your bibles we're going to jump right into the word this morning turn with me to Luke chapter 1 all right turn with me to Luke chapter 1 we're going to start in verse 26 and while you're turning there, I want to take an opportunity and uh, just thank my parents for the opportunity um, to be here and to share with you this weekend. And I don't know if they're watching online or not, but Mom, Dad, I love you. I thank God for you, and uh, we honor you in this house. And so thank Yeah, let's give it up for our pastors. It's their sacrifice that uh, has got us where we are today. And... Um, I consider an an honor, a privilege. I'm humbled uh, to be up on this stage. If you told me this is what I'd be doing just a few short years ago, I would have looked at you like somebody dropped you on your head. But uh, that's the great thing about God is that when we follow him, when we trust in him, he takes us to places we never dreamed would be possible. Amen. Amen. How many of you were here last weekend for our next-gen takeover weekend? We had our worship team here on the stage, our kids' worship team on the stage. Pastor Corey, our youth pastor, brought such an incredible, encouraging word. And listen, I got to tell you, if you have not yet signed your kids up for our youth camp and our kids' camp, listen, there's no better investment that you can make into the lives of your children than to get them involved in kids' ministry and youth ministry. Listen, I'm a product, I'm a result of kids ministry and youth ministry and the value that it places in their lives. Listen, it... it, You know, you can buy them stuff, you can send them to great schools, and, and, but there's. can I tell you, there's no better investment that you can make into the lives of your children than getting them plugged into the local church. And they're at camp, I believe they're going to experience their own revelation of who God is in their lives, and there's some chains that are going to be broken in the next generation, and it's the next generation that God's raising up. Right, he raises up generation after generation, and I believe that this is an important generation that we're raising up right now. So make the investment, get them signed up, and it's gonna be an exciting, exciting summer here at Potential Church. Are you there yet? Luke chapter 1. We're gonna dive right in starting in verse 26. I'm going to read from the message version. It says this, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph and the virgin's name Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty. Beautiful inside and out. Sounds like a Bible pickup line, doesn't it? It says that Mary was thoroughly shaken, understandably so, wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God is a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called son of the highest The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will rule over Jacob's house forever, no end ever to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, but how? (laughs) I've never even slept with a man. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy Son of God. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son as old as she is? Everyone called her barren. And here she is six months pregnant. Nothing you see is impossible with God. And Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I am the Lord's maid. I am ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. And then the angel left her. You know, I don't know how it is you got here today. I don't know what your story is. And and if you're watching online or watching from another location, listen, I don't know how it is you tuned in. But I believe that this is a God-ordained moment. You know what? You're not an accident. You are here on this earth for a unique purpose and a unique calling. And listen, I believe That today, some of us are gonna make the decision to cross over into the destiny that God's been preparing for us. And so I wanna wanna speak to you over the next few moments from this thought, what to expect when you're expecting. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather today. Father, I pray over the next few minutes I pray that you would remove every distraction, every burden. I pray you would open up our hearts, open up our minds to receive the word you have for us. God, may it not be my words. My words are never good enough, Father. But may it be your spirit that moves in this place. We receive the word that you have for us. And there's nothing that the enemy can do about it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise because you know He's good. Amen. Hey, listen, I got a question for, for everybody today. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you expected one thing to happen and the entirely opposite occurred? Right? You ever been in that situation? Yeah, all of us, right? Hands going up everywhere, where, where we have a certain set of expectations but things don't quite go as we anticipated you know my wife and i we recently moved into a new home back in march and it was really a blessing we weren't looking to move but god kind of just lined it up in our favor and Opened up some some doors and we had the opportunity in March to move into a, uh, a larger place from from our apartment uh, to a townhome. And so we've got a little bit of extra space. We've got some more room. And and, you know, the really cool thing is, is uh, at the same time, my parents were also moving. Now, while my wife and I were moving to a place with more space, my parents were downsizing. And so the great thing is, is that they have all this extra furniture that they can't take with them, but we can take with us. And so I did not hesitate at all to to go to my parents and say, hey, listen, any furniture or any junk that you don't want, oh, Amber and I would be glad to take that off of your hands. And so as they started downsizing and started cleaning out and and giving us some furniture, we ended up with a brand new pool table. Come on, you know you've made it when you have a pool table in your home. I mean, that's entertainment for hours. We ended up with a pool table, a uh, weightlifting machine, kind of like one of those machines where you can work out your legs and your arms and your chest and all that stuff, and a brand new treadmill with a TV attached to it. Alright, so we're excited. Yeah, I mean, we're like, okay, you know what? We got an extra bedroom. We're going to make our own fitness room. And we're going to put the weight machine in there. We've got an ab coaster. We'll have the treadmill. We, don't have, we can cancel the gym membership. All we got to do is walk upstairs, and we got a whole fitness room. We're going to get ripped. We're going to get, like, ready for summer. This is going to be awesome. We got a brand new pool table. Where we can invite people over. We can throw parties. This is awesome. Right? And so move-in day occurs. And we hired a company to move some of the heavier items. We had paid for the pool table to be disassembled and brought over and reassembled. And on moving day, the, the movers come in and they begin to take the treadmill upstairs. But once they near towards the staircase, they realize that it's much too narrow to get the treadmill up there. This is a big, big treadmill. <clears throat> and so they tell us, listen, guys, there's no way that this treadmill is going upstairs. You're going to have to find another place for it. And, 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 you know, my wife, my wife's a planner. She already has the blueprint of, of what our new home is going to look like. And she's like, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't plan for this. And she looks at me. She's like, well, well what are we going to do? Where, where are we going to put the treadmill? And so after a few minutes of brainstorming and trying to figure out where we're going to put, because listen, you don't give away a treadmill that has a TV on it. I mean, you can work out while you watch TV and movies and no, 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 you don't give that away. You find a place for it. And so we uh, managed to find a little corner in the kitchen where we could kind of just jam it in there. And can I tell you, by the way, it is great to have a treadmill in your kitchen so that every time you're tempted to go towards those cookies or those brownies, you got a treadmill staring right back at you. So it, it worked out. Out. we just kind of jammed the treadmill in the kitchen and so I think okay we're that was a little bit of a hiccup not what we expected to have a treadmill in the middle of our kitchen but you know what it's all good and then they start carrying up the weight machine and as they get up the weight machine and 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 they make the corner to get upstairs made it this close and because the staircase was so narrow they put half of the weight machine through the wall and I'm like, oh, my God, we're, we're going to get evicted before we even move in. Like, I mean, the landlord is going to hate us. We're not even officially moved into this place. And we've already put a gigantic hole in the wall. And so the movers come back downstairs with the weight machine and say, all right, there's no way that we can fit this upstairs. So by this point, our dreams of our fitness room are completely shattered. And so we just told them, OK, just, just set it down. We'll figure it out. We had to end up giving away the, the weight machine. And uh, the next day, the movers for the pool table come. Now, we've already paid for this pool table to be disassembled, brought over, and reassembled. And surprisingly, it's pretty expensive. It's several hundred dollars. So we've invested already several hundred dollars into getting this thing over here. But what we failed to do is measure the space where we wanted to put this pool table. Because, you know, I'm thinking in my head, I mean, we're moving into a bigger place. We're going to have room. It's, it's fine. That's kind of my... Take on life? Oh, you know, this is a God thing, so it's just going to work out. We'll be fine. And so uh, because we failed to do that, as the movers start setting up the pool table, they come to us and say, listen, the only way that this is going to work is if we position this pool table in a way to where it extends into the walkway, meaning that in order to get to the living room, you would have to either jump over the pool table or crawl underneath it. And listen, I'm going to be honest with you, I was okay with that. I'm like, this is a pool table, like, I mean, come on, this is, and we're getting it like for free? No, I was like, it's cool, we'll just have our guests crawl under uh, to get to the living room. And you know, my wife kind of grabs my arm and she just kind of smiles at the guys, (laughs) give us just a moment. And um, needless to say, after our little conversation, I had to go back out to the guys and tell them, you know what? This is just not going to work out. Uh, I, I'm sorry that we brought you all the way out here, and I'm really sorry that we already paid you to come out here, but, uh, but you're just going to have to leave it be. It's not going to work. And so we find ourselves sitting in the kitchen and thinking, man, that's not quite what we anticipated. We were thinking we were going to get all this brand-new furniture, our pool table, our fitness room. And, and although it was still such a great blessing that God provided for us, it wasn't quite how we expected it to turn out. And you know, I think that's a a lot like the situation Mary finds herself in in Luke chapter one. I mean, here she is minding her own business. It's just an ordinary day. The scripture doesn't tell us that there was anything special about this day until the angel Gabriel came and and greeted her and said, listen, you're gonna have a baby, Mary. I know you're not married. I know you're a virgin. I know you've never slept with a man before, but guess what? You're going to become pregnant and he is going to save the world of its sins. I mean, talk about the pressure. I mean, can you imagine Mary in that moment? Uh, like, uh, I think you got the wrong Mary. There's a lot of us that live in Galilee. You know what? I'll help you find the other Mary, but, but, but you can't be talking about me. And the angel's like, no, 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 no. I, you have nothing to fear. You're going to give birth to a son. You're going to name him Jesus, and he will be the savior of the world. You see, I'm sure Mary had much different expectations for how her life would turn out. I'm sure she had dreams. I'm sure she had plans for the future. She was engaged to this man, Joseph. And I'm sure she had a much different expectation for what that day would hold. But see, that's the thing about God is he can show up in one single moment and do something so great, something so unexpected, something we can never dream up or imagine. And, you know, when God places something on the inside of us, for Mary, it was a baby. For you, maybe it's a dream that God's conceived inside you. Maybe it's a nudge. Maybe it's a desire. Maybe it's a passion. And maybe, you know, you know like Mary, you're like, well, it doesn't really make sense. I, I don't really know what to do with this thing that God has given me. I just know that I'm passionate about it. I know that it's my dream. I know that it's my calling. But, but, but that's where it ends. I, I don't know what to do with it. See, in that moment, we all have a choice. We can either choose to settle or to press in and to run after the things of God. And listen, we can be sure that as we lean in, as we follow the path that God has marked out for us, that the enemy's not gonna be far behind. Oh, he's gonna be right on our tail. And see, the enemy has a few tactics, a few methods to to keep us from our destiny. And and it's important to say this, that you know the enemy, I don't believe the enemy has many, many tricks. I believe he has a few tricks. And the reason that he keeps using them is because he knows that they work. They've worked for thousands of years. And so he keeps using the same tricks to keep us from crossing over into the destiny that God created for us. And I want you to jot these three things down. The way that the enemy keeps us from our destiny. What we can expect when we're expecting God to do something miraculous in our lives is we can expect distractions, discomfort, and distortion. The enemy uses distractions. He places distractions in our path. And you know, a lot of times we think of distractions as, as bad things, as tragedies, as financial problems or relational problems. And while those can be distractions, sometimes the enemy disguises distractions as the very thing you thought you always wanted, but to keep you from the true calling and purpose that God's placed on your life. He's clever, he's sly. Sometimes he disguises those distractions in our lives as, as good things, as things that, that we thought we always wanted. He also creates this feeling of discomfort. See, the enemy wants you to stay in your comfort zone. He wants you to stay uh, in line, because if you're in your comfort zone, he kind of has you right, right where he wants you. He doesn't want you to step out of that comfort zone, because you know what? It's out of our comfort zones that we see God's power revealed. And the enemy uses distortion. He distorts our reality in an attempt to magnify the size of our problem over the size of our God. But you know, the great news is, is that if we can recognize the attacks of the enemy, we can overcome them. All right, so I want to share with you over the next few minutes some of the ways that we can combat these distractions, this feeling of discomfort, and the distortion that the enemy uh, places in our lives, all right? First thing is this, if the enemy uses distractions to keep us from our destiny, then we can overcome it by staying focused on the mission. Staying focused on the mission. God's called us all to a mission. Ultimately, our mission is if, if we are Christ followers, if we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose three days later so that we could spend an eternity with him, do you know what our mission is? It's to spread that, that gospel. It's to spread the good news. It's to be a representation of Christ at our workplace, in our family, in our communities, at our schools, no matter what it is. That is our mission, to spread the good news. But you know what, we all have an individual mission as well. What has God called you to do? You have a purpose on the earth. God did not just drop you on earth, say, all right, figure it out, and, and, and we exist and then die. That's not what we're created for. Each one of us, God has a unique, a unique purpose. It says in Psalm 139 that he knit us together in our mother's womb. Okay, so there's an intentionality in your conception, And so if we all have uh, a unique calling, a unique purpose and a unique mission, and listen, maybe you're in here today and you don't know what your purpose on earth is. Maybe you're, you're in a season of your life and, 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 and you don't quite know what that dream is that God's placed in your heart or that desire. Maybe, maybe your season of life is changing. Maybe you're in a transition season. You're like, okay, God, I, I don't know what's next. I don't know what you're, you're calling me to do next. Listen, I can tell you that as long as you keep your eyes focused on God, he will reveal your purpose. It's when we take our eyes off of God or when we turn away from God that we kind of just end up stumbling through life. But if you're in a season where you are still discovering what your purpose on earth is, my encouragement to you is just keep your eyes focused on God. Keep serving God. Keep keep moving where he nudges you and he will reveal your destiny to you. But we got to expect that when we're expecting God to move in a big way, that there are going to be distractions. You know, my wife and I, we recently added a new addition to our family. Uh, no, she didn't have a baby. Let me just clarify that. She, she, she didn't have a baby, but we did get a puppy, all right? And he is the sweetest, cutest uh, little, he's a Yorkie poodle. His name is Saint. He's 12 weeks old. Uh, we got him about four weeks ago. And it is amazing the attention span of a puppy. It's like, in case you don't know, like zero, And so we're always like, he just gets distracted so easily. We try and call him and, you know, he'll start coming towards us. But then, you know, he'll see a toy or he'll see a bone or he'll start running in the opposite direction. And so we're trying to teach him his name. So we're like, Saint, Saint, come here, boy, come on, come on, Saint, Saint. no, 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 not over there. This way, Saint, this way. And um, you know what? I actually have a video that I want to show you from yesterday when we got to church. All right, check this out. He kindly finally got it at the end, where it is he's supposed to be going. And as you can tell, my wife is the disciplinarian. I'm just the one that holds the phone and records. But, uh, you know, I think so many of us, we live our lives that way, don't we? We know where it is we're supposed to be going, but then we just get distracted. We get distracted, and so we, we start gearing off course. We start saying, oh, wow, you know, that looks good. You know, I know that that God's called me this direction, but... But I really want to go this way. That, that, that looks good. That looks appealing. And so we start gearing off course and we get distracted and we start going in circles. And I think the whole time God is saying, no, this way. He's calling our name saying, no, this is what I've called. Hey, I know that looks good, but I've got something even better for you. Don't get distracted by the twigs. Don't get distracted by the shrubs. Come this way. I've got something even better in store for you. And so we get distracted and we start gearing off course. You know, if you look at the life of Mary and Joseph, oh, the enemy put distractions in their path. If we read further on in the text in Luke, we see that, that uh, right around the time when uh, Mary is uh, to give birth, uh, the king at the time, Augustus, he calls uh, for a census across the land. And a census is where they take account of the population, the taxes, all that stuff. And so the the rule for the census to occur is that every person must return to their birth town. And so Joseph and Mary start heading back towards Bethlehem, okay? And if I did some research and the distance between Galilee and Bethlehem is about 100 miles. Now that may not sound long, but remember they didn't have planes or cars back then. They were traveling on a donkey. 100 miles, church, on a donkey. I'm like, sometimes I just thank God that I didn't live back in those days because <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'd be in the Bible. I don't know if I'd be a great hero of the faith because it's like 100 miles on a donkey in the hot weather, just traveling, bored. I mean, can you imagine? That's a distraction. Then they get to Bethlehem, and the innkeeper tells them, well, we don't have any room for you. And can I just tell you, like, if I was Mary, I'd be like, do you know who I am? Like, I got the savior of the world in my belly. You better find me a room. Distraction. They had to stay in the stable. And by this point, Mary is really, really, really pregnant. She was probably hormonal. I mean, I feel bad for Joseph. Can you imagine him this whole time? I could just see you're saying, Joe, you better find us a room. But I'm not sleeping in no stable with no donkey. You need to, to, what are you going to do, Joseph? I mean, can you imagine the pressure Joseph was under? distractions, all distractions. Listen, they're distractions that the enemy put in their path, seeking to distract them from what God was about to do. And he does the same thing to you and I. He puts those negative thoughts in our mind. He puts those financial struggles, those relational struggles. He puts them in our path to try and distract us from the purpose and the destiny that God's called us to. You know, I I love what What Paul says in Philippians chapter four, verse eight, he gives us some insight. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know what that tells me? Is that we need to think about what it is we're thinking about. See, Paul's saying, listen, you just need to, you need to cut the drama. You need to cut the negativity out of your life and get back focused on the things that God has for you. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. Paul's saying, listen, think about those things. Get those other thoughts out of your mind. They're not going to take you anywhere. They're not going to lead to life. They're not going to lead to success or prosperity. No, you got to get rid of them. you got to think about these things. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy. And you know, just because that negative thought train comes to the platform in our minds doesn't mean we have to jump on board. We can look at the destination board and say, you know what? I know where that train leads. And you know what? I've been jumping on that train for years now. I know it leads to nowhere. Good, so I'm not going to get on that train. I'm choosing to hop on a different train, the train that's going to lead me to the path of life, the train that's going to lead me to exactly where God purposed and destined for me to be. See, so many of us, we can't possibly chase after what God's called us to because we're distracted by what the enemy's put in front of us. And see, what happens is we start out on the pathway that God sets us on, that dream, building that company, starting that family, whatever it may be. We, we start out and, to achieve greatness, right? And we start out on this pathway and then we get distracted and we kind of gear off course. And this is what I've learned is that every time we gear off course, we take our focus off of God and when we take our focus off of God, our problems start to look a lot bigger than they actually are. Because listen, When you've got your eyes on God, it doesn't matter what problem, what situation, what circumstance. It doesn't matter who's left you, who's betrayed you. It doesn't matter what your finances look like because listen, when your focus is on the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, you see just how big your God is and you know that he can handle any problem, any circumstance, any storm, and you know you can walk out of that fire and be better and stronger on the other side. But when you take your focus off God, our problems start to look bigger, don't they? And all of a sudden, we, we start to panic and we start to think, man, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna solve this problem? Have you ever found yourself doing that? How am I gonna solve this problem? Listen, that's an indication we've taken our focus off of God because when your eyes are on God, you don't have to ask yourself, how am I gonna solve this problem? You can say confidently, God, I know you're gonna solve this problem. I can't do it in my strength. I, I'm not good enough to do it, Father. I don't have the understanding. I don't have the wisdom, but Father, you do, and I know you've got my back but we take our focus off God and our problems start to look a lot bigger. So we start trying to do things in our own strength and then we make some really bad decisions. You ever done that? Try and do something in your own strength and made a really bad decision? And then what happens is is as a result of that bad decision, pain enters our life. And then when that pain enters our life, we start looking for remedies to try and ease that pain. We look to a relationship or we look to a new job or a new opportunity or some drug or some drink to try and fill that void. But you know what? There's a lot of people in this world that are looking for remedies to their pain. But listen, I know the source that can heal every pain. Not just bandage the pain, but heal the pain. Listen, I only know of one power that can take a heart full of hate and transform it to a heart that's full of love. I only know of one power that can take a heart full of je- jealousy and transform it into a heart full of generosity. I only know of one power that can take a heart full of misery and depression and change it into a heart that's full of Full of joy. And that's the transforming power of Jesus Christ. And listen, it's that same power that raised Christ from the dead that lives inside of us, that gives us victory over those distractions. Don't get distracted, church. Remember what your mission is. Look onward, look past the distraction and see what God has in store for you down the path. Another way that, that we can overcome the attacks of the enemy is to be willing to stay uncomfortable. Com- comfort zones feel good for the time being, but nothing grows there. And we have to expect that when God's getting ready to bring that, that dream to pass or to do something miraculous in our lives, we got to expect that there's going to be some pain involved. You know, I'm, I'm a man, so I can't get pregnant. Well, at least not yet. Who knows uh, in today's world? But uh, I did do some research on some common discomforts of pregnancy. Do you want to hear them? Great, awesome. So, common discomforts of pregnancy. Morning sickness, nausea, and uncontrollable vomiting, frequent and even painful urination, headaches caused by tension in the neck, shoulders, congestion, constipation, and toxemia, swollen feet, legs, and hands, bleeding gums, bodily discharge, dizziness, heartburn, indigestion, insomnia, hemorrhoids, leg cramps, nasal congestion, shortness of breath, stretch marks, back aches, numbness, and tingling of the legs and feet due to nerve pressure, abdominal pain, false labor pain starting as early as the second trimester. And those are just a few. Don't you want to get pregnant? (laughs) I shared that with my wife backstage and her eyes just got really big. She's like, wait, all of that is going to happen to me? See, we have to expect that when we're expecting, there's going to be some discomfort involved. And listen, I just want to tell you, if you're in a season of your life where you're a little bit uncomfortable, I want to remind you that you're exactly where God wants you because you have positioned yourself for God to do great works in your life. Like I said, you know what? When we're in a comfort zone, we don't need the grace of God because we've got it all figured out. We've got a system, we've got a routine, we've got plan B, we've got plan C, we've got plan D. We know exactly what we're doing. And see the tendency is to live in a comfort zone and think that God is blessing us because we've got it all figured out. When we're in reality, when we are trapped in a comfort zone, we have positioned ourselves where we no longer need faith, we no longer need grace because it's when we step out of that comfort zone that we see just how big our God is. Come on, do you know what I'm talking about when you step out and take a risk, and you can see, man, God is good. Man, God is big. Man, God did the unexpected. I never dreamed or imagined that this could happen. Listen, that's how big our God is, but he doesn't work in comfort zones. If you look to the Bible, every single person God has used, he first asked them to get uncomfortable. As a matter of fact, that was an indication of who he could use if you look in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet. And it says that, that God's eyes was looking to and fro, looking for somebody he could use. And Isaiah stepped out and said, oh, here I am, God, send me. Oh, it's not going to be easy. Oh, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncertain. But God, send me. That's who God's looking for. Listen, church, it's okay to be uncomfortable. It means you're exactly where you need to be so that God can use you. As a matter of fact, I would say if you're in this room and you are comfortable, you need to reevaluate some things in your life. God will use that feeling of discomfort for great things, but the enemy will use it to try and keep you trapped in your comfort zone. He wants to put a fence around you. And you know what? Jesus Christ did not die on the cross so that you could be limited. He died on the cross so that you could exceed every limit, every boundary, and do great things. You know, I love the, the verse in, in John chapter 15. He talks about this pruning process. It says in John 15 verses 1 through 4, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. See, in order for us to bear fruit, and what that means to bear fruit, it just means to, per, to, uh, to be successful, to, 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 to be joyful, to be doing great things in this world. But in order to produce fruit, we got to be attached to the vine, and the vine is Jesus Christ. When we remain in him, he will remain in us. And then it says that there's this pruning process that has to take place. It says that any branch that does not bear fruit gets cut off, and those that do bear fruit get pruned. So let me just tell you today, if you're going through something, if you're uncomfortable, if you're in a season of pain, guess what it means? It means you're producing fruit. It means that God's just pruning you so that you can produce even more fruit. It means that God's getting ready to birth something from you. Listen, pain is not a result that God has left us. Pain is a result that God is about to use us for something great. Be encouraged by that today. Allow yourself to be pruned. It's painful, it's not easy, and it's not enjoyable while it's happening, but when we get pruned, God's just gonna pour out more fruit. Be willing to stay uncomfortable. And last thing is this to overcome the attacks of the enemy, stay grounded. Stay grounded in the truth that is represented in God's word. See, the enemy wants to distort reality. Have you ever looked in one of those distorted mirrors before? And you know when you look into them, they kind of exaggerate all these different parts of your body. I think the enemy, every day we wake up, he places a distorted mirror in front of us to see what we're going to see. To see that problem that he exaggerates. To see that financial struggle that that we can't look past he's he's placing th- this distorted mirror in front of us He does it every single day. He tries to convince us that we're not loved, that we're not valuable, that everybody's out to get us, that our boss hates us, that the people we work with just don't understand. Our family just doesn't get it. We stand alone. Listen, that is not the truth. The reality is that Jesus Christ came to earth, put on flesh, died on a cross so that you could live in victory. That is the reality. That is the truth. You're not abandoned. You're not alone. But the enemy wants you to believe that. Listen, I just believe that that at some point we just have to smash that distorted mirror and say, I'm not going to look into that anymore. It's a lie. It is a lie in some of us. Man, I know I've done it. We just, we live our lives based on a lie from the enemy. And you know what? I've just made a decision in my life that I'm not going to allow the enemy to lie to me and to trick me and to convince me in making decisions that are not aligned with God's will simply because he's distorting my reality. Don't you know he did it to Mary and Joseph? Oh, I can just imagine. I'm sure there were moments where they wanted to give up, where they wondered, is it really worth it? Oh, you got to know that there were so many people that looked at Mary and said, really, Mary, the Holy Spirit, that's your excuse? I'm sure every room she walked into, there were people that whispered about her, that gossiped about her. I'm sure she had some, some of her best friends turn their back on her. Because she was unclean. They knew that she was unmarried. But, she, but you know what? Mary and Joseph kept their eyes focused on, on God. They kept their eyes focused on God. They refused to allow the enemy to distort the reality of what God was about to bring forth. You know, I love what, what Luke chapter 1, if we continue on in the story, in the text... In Luke uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 39, right after Mary has been told this news that she's going to give birth to the Savior of the world, she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And remember, Elizabeth is already six months pregnant. So she goes to Elizabeth and, and listen to what Elizabeth tells her. It says, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth, and at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, you are blessed by God above all other women, and your child is blessed. What an honor this is that the mother of my Lord should visit me. Verse 44, when you came in and greeted me, my baby jumped for joy the instant I heard your voice. And in verse 45, she says this. She says, Mary, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. And you know, I really believe that those words Elizabeth spoke over Mary's life so many years ago, that's what kept her moving forward. When Elizabeth said, Mary, it is going to be difficult, but remember, you are blessed. You are blessed because you believe that God will do what he said he will do. And listen, I believe that's what kept her going when people were talking about her. I believe that's what kept her going when she was traveling on that donkey. I believe that's what kept her going when she was told, hey, we don't have room for you here at the end. Those words, you are blessed because you believe that God will do what he said he will do. And listen, I want to speak that over your life today. You will be blessed in believing that God will do what he said he will do. Listen, he's a faithful God. He can be trusted. There's not many people that you can trust in this world, right? I mean, some of us, we've been hurt by best friends, by family members. Maybe you've even been betrayed by a spouse, the one person who committed to stand by your side till death do us part. But listen, you can trust God. You can put all your eggs in his basket. Listen, with God, there's no need for a plan B or a plan C or a plan D because you know what? If God's put in your heart plan A, baby, plan A will come to pass. Plan A will become true. There is no plan B with God. That's what he promises us. And I just want to share a few promises as we close today. Promises from the word of God, okay? Can I do that for you? Can I declare some promises over your life? Listen, Jeremiah 29, 11, God says he will fulfill the great plans that he has for you. That there are plans to prosper you and to elevate you. Ephesians 2, 10. He promises that you're a masterpiece. That you're the very best that God can do and that he created you for great works that he planned long ago. Philippians 4.19, he promises to meet every need that we have according to his glorious riches. Philippians 4.13, he promises that we can do all things in him because he's the one who gives us strength. Second Corinthians 12.9, he promises that his grace is sufficient for us. It is all we need so we can boast about our weaknesses because when we are weak, he is strong. He promises that though pain may come in the night, there's joy that will come in the morning. He promises though we may be hard pressed on every side, we are not destroyed. Though we may be perplexed, though we may we be confused, we are not abandoned. Though we may be struck down, we are not destroyed. He promises that he will work all things, not some things, not most things, church, all things. He will work together for good for those who love him and are called according to His purpose. And in John 3:16, he says that whomsoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Come on, that's good news. That's good news. Be encouraged today. That's what God says about you. And listen, you can expect. When you're expecting that there will be distractions and discomfort and distortion, but you can also expect this that God will come through for you, that He will do what He has promised. He is good on His word, His word never returns void. But the question is will you trust Him? Will you look past the distractions? Will you be willing to get a little bit uncomfortable? And are you willing to smash that distorted mirror that's in front of you? Will you bow your heads? Father, I thank you so much. Thank you so much that you're a good father and that you love us. And Father, I pray right now for those who have let distractions hold them back from their destiny. God, I pray right now that you would bring that distraction to their minds. I don't know what it is they're going through. I don't know what their story is, God. I don't know what that distraction is for them, but God, your spirit does. So right now, Holy Spirit, bring that distraction to their minds. And we break that chain. We break that chain of financial struggle. We break that chain of relational difficulties. We break that chain of addiction. We break that chain of negative emotions. We break that chain of depression. We break that chain of bitterness and unforgiveness right now in Jesus' name. And we're looking onward to the purpose that you have for us. Father, I I pray for those who right now they're in a season where they're just uncomfortable. God, I pray that you would use this season to do a great work, God. We know that no pain is ever wasted. Even though you don't intend all the pain that we experience to enter our lives, sometimes it's a result of our own decisions. Sometimes it's because we have an enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy our destiny. But what I do know is this, is that pain will never go to waste, Father. You will use all things for good. And Father, I pray for those who've been looking in a distorted mirror for far too long. Today, God, may they break that and smash that mirror. May they never pick up the pieces again and say, you know what, enemy, I'm done with that. I'm not looking in that mirror anymore. I'm looking in the mirror of God's love, of his perfection, of his grace. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eyes closed, I- I feel on my heart, if if you've walked in here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I wanna pray for you. This is a prayer of salvation. The Bible says that whosoever believes in him, whoever believes that Jesus Christ died on this cross, uh, died on the cross and rose three days later so we could spend an eternity with him, whoever believes that will be saved. And I invite you to pray this prayer with me. If you've never accepted Christ, maybe you just feel like there's a void in your heart. Maybe you've tried doing life your own way for far too long and it's not working. And you feel like there's this, this nudge in your heart, like you, you're tired of being broken. You're tired of, of, uh, of being alone. You're tired of, of living without God in your life. Listen, I invite you to pray this prayer. And the Bible says that you will be saved and that the old is past and the new will come. So pray this with me. Say, Father, I am a sinner. I've tried doing life my own way and it's not working. I invite you into my heart. Save me, salvage me, and guide me. From this moment on, I'm not looking at the past, I'm looking to the future. I accept your grace and I accept your love. And then in your heart, just thank him. Thank him that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross for your sin, that there's nothing we could do to earn God's love, but he gives it so freely. Just thank him. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice so that we could live not as victims, but as victors in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for God. Yes.